Hey everybody, my name is Ashton Fish. I am the host of Sound Mind Podcast and Vlog. Today we have Brian James, who's gonna be talking about isolation, confusion, and the fear that we all have right now, that we're all facing from being isolated and having to stay indoors due to the coronavirus. I hope you enjoy this episode and find some wisdom and practical things that can help you with your daily life. Well, Brian James, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I don't know if our audience knows you. Some of you actually do. He was speaking at camp and doing a workshop for us. Thanks for being on here today. Can you let us know a little bit more about yourself and uh, where you're at in life right now? Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I uh, I think the conversation that we're leaning into today is, is just so important. There's a, just so much confusion and pain and struggle right now in life. Um, I, as, as Ashton said, I'm Brian James McMahon. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I currently live in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I, I run a counseling center out here with a number of therapists that I'm training um, and we're equipping to be serving in our community. My wife and I are also Foursquare Church planters. We spent some time uh, in LA prior to coming out here in Ashton. That's where we connected and got to, to work um, with a number of different populations. My wife and I were youth pastors years back, um, working with kids. Um, so right now I, I work um, with a large range of people um, and kind of doing the things that allow us to keep our sanity when life doesn't feel sane. So I, I think I'm, I feel really grateful to be able to participate and just be a part of this conversation. And um, Hopefully it will be maybe grounding. I, I, these are moments where like the word encouraging doesn't feel quite appropriate, mm-hmm. um, but, but maybe our goal is to, allow our audience to feel a little bit more grounded, to be able to breathe a little bit more in the midst of the season of time that we're in. Yeah, thank you, Brian James. Yeah, I think back to 2013, meeting you at Lighthouse Church, um, even being in a guy's accountability group together. um, You've always been that cool guy that I just wanted to talk to more. So I'm so happy that you're on here. Um, So let's just dive in. Uh, What we're going to be talking about today is really the isolation we're all feeling right now, you know, with being locked in or the safer at home measures that are across the United States. So I just wanted to start us off with this question. What are the concerns that are arising right now that we're all experiencing due to the isolation in our society? So yeah. I think we have a graphic if you sure. want to start. With that. Pull, pull that graphic up because I, I think the graphic gives a, a good visual of the way that the current moment of time has, has an, a wide impact on us that I, I think our consciousness um, we're, we're aware of the health challenges. I think we're increasingly aware of the economic challenges that we're facing as a society, um, that, that sometimes it can be lost the way that internally, emotionally, relationally, psychologically, the impact that these things have. And so on, I, I love this graphic. I, this is not original to me. I stole this from someone else. Um, but looking at this graphic and just being able to look at like why coronavirus has a way of triggering mental health issues. And we use the word triggering um, because most of us have, um, are experiencing things today that we probably were not experiencing the same way a month ago or two months ago. And so there's an element of triggering that's occurring that something is prompting different kinds of reactions. So you can see on that graphic that there are right, things like decreased job security. You talk about if family systems and parents and um, who have loss of income, the instability that that creates. Um, as well as, as fearing for the people we care about, as well as um, the increased health anxiety. Uh, but 
kind of your question around what are what are some of the concerns around being in a state as a society right now where there is increased isolation and necessarily right that that part of the way that we're mm-hmm. flattening the curve and the way that we're caring for those who are more vulnerable is by honoring that social distance that's necessary the result is that we we are really isolated from one another and there is i, I love that we have digital platforms i love that we can do this this is fantastic and um, there is still an absence of the physical interaction of the in-person moments of connection of being able to do things together right we we have a we are a very active society uh, that whether it's sports or music or drama or just outside activities that we tend to do things together so we're feeling those losses as well and the the primary the the one phrase on this graphic that i want to highlight um that I, i think to me everything else falls under is that place where it says the mindset switch from living to survival. Mm. I think in moments of challenges that we have a grave one that we're facing right now, what, what it does for us is it pulls us out of our best selves. It pulls us into places of fear. It pulls us into um, instability where our, our goal becomes, how do I just survive? Mm-hmm. And a life that we live trying to survive is a very different life that, than we live. And I would actually use the word thriving. I hold surviving and thriving in yeah. kind of opposed against each other. Um, and for those, there's a lot of people that have done a lot of hard work to go, how do I thrive in life? How do I move forward? How do I take steps? And now as a society, it feels like everything has stopped which mm-hmm. really will pull us into this place of actually abandoning a sense of thriving and shifting toward the, a, a sense of, I just need to survive. And what we know is that when we live in a pure survival framework, it has some pretty significant psychological, emotional, relational negative impacts on the way that surviving actually uh, increases our own anxiety, cortisol floods the system, it has health impacts, we live in much more tension, and we tend to be more guarded, relationships breaks down. So I think living in an era of time for however long we're here, where isolation is becoming, at least for now, a little bit more of the norm, we want to pay really close attention to how we're thinking about life, to how we're thinking about the way that we're operating. Have we given up doing the things that make us us? and just trying to bunker down and ride out the wave, which mm-hmm. shifts us into the survival framework. Um, or how do we wrestle with what it might mean for us to figure out what thriving even means in this completely altered world that we suddenly find ourselves in? Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And really, even for myself, I'm like, why lately have I just felt like just so much more tired at night? And why lately have I been just struggling with going to sleep and anxious thoughts. And I'm, I'm looking at this own graph for myself and going, wow, this just makes so much sense because I've moved into a state of surviving. Um, it's, so, it's for yeah. valid reasons, right? Like the life that we know it is no longer the same. The future is unknown. We, many of us have lost our support structures. Most of us, our jobs have changed. Even if we're still working, we're working differently. So we're trying to wrap our minds around it. We're trying to take care of people. So the, the amount that in the last two weeks 
the amount of emotional energy that all of us have had to invest in life has skyrocketed, right? There are things that we could do without thinking that were just kind of rote parts of life. We are now thinking about everything that we're doing, yeah. which means everything we're doing takes energy, which means that we are way more exhausted. Um, that those of us who are prone toward depression are going to find ourselves much more depressed. That those of us prone towards anxiety will find ourselves much more anxious because of what we're doing, the shifts. And then you have this whole like existential dread of is the world ending and how do we even know? <laughs> yeah. It also becomes this weight that whether we're talking about it or not, it just kind of sits on us. Totally, totally. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brian, for uh, explaining that. And sorry, Brian James for explaining that. Um, so when we're talking about loneliness, that's a big theme right now that a lot of people are expressing to me. Hey, I'm just lonely. I'm bored. I'm struggling at home. How do we deal with loneliness in a healthy way? Yeah. So um, I want to, I'm going to kind of widen our conversation on loneliness. The pe people who know me, uh, we did, we were, I was hanging out with some friends last week and we kind of did a, a, a round table question of like, what is everyone above average at? And when it got to me, my, my statement was, I'm above average at making conversations much more complicated than people probably <laughs> want to be. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to do that a little bit here, right? That, that we're talking about loneliness, which is what many of us feel when we're isolated. I think, I think there's a window of time where those of us who maybe identify as introverts are like, ha, ah, I actually have space. Mm -hmm. um, if you are not an introvert, you are already going nuts. Um, that there's actually an element of life that is given by social connection and by human interaction. And then we're, you're already feeling that if you're an extrovert. And even introverts, given enough time, will be impacted by this. But when we, when we think about loneliness, um, what, what I actually want us to identify is that loneliness is actually a form of pain. Hmm. Loneliness is, is psychologically, emotionally, relationally, it hurts. Right? There's a pain experience when we experience a loss of connection, when we experience a loss of access to our hopes and dreams. We have a ton of high school seniors who had all sorts of plans to finish out their senior year, yeah. and all of those are taken away. And so part of the loneliness is socially, but part of the loneliness is the loss of access to the things that we planned to do, that we had to do in our life, that all of those compound into this experience of loneliness that that is actually painful. As humans, when we experience pain, we can go about it in a couple different ways. One form that often happens when we experience pain is we shift into that survival mode, which is how do I protect myself, right? I am hurting. I don't know what to do when I'm pain. I'm gonna protect myself. When we, when we respond to pain by protecting ourselves, this often looks like fear and anxiety. This often looks like anger. This often looks like withdrawal and shutting down. Then these are ways that we go about protecting our pain. So that's something for us to be conscious of that as we are experiencing the pain, psychological, emotional, relational pain of loneliness and isolation, there is an, almost an inherent way that we respond to pain by trying to preserve ourselves, self-preservation which will lead us to anxiety, into fear, into anger, into shutdown. So the, the alternative, so I, this is my, my perspective, is that really we have two ways of responding to pain. One is through self-preservation, 
and the others through vulnerability. Uh, when we are able to identify, I'm in pain, this sucks, um, I am grieving, I have lost dreams, I am scared of the future, I am alone in this, we don't all have wonderful families to be isolated with. Mm. Right? At least we acknowledge that like some of us, school was an escape, work was an escape, that we have unsettled home environments that we didn't want to be around. And now we are being forced to be around environments that actually were quite hurtful. So we got multiple layers to loneliness and pain. And so we can respond by self-preservation, anxious, panic, or we can respond with an element of vulnerability. And this is where we want to lean into the safe people that we have in our lives, whether these are pastors, youth pastors, therapists, friends, aunts and uncles, mentors in our lives, where we can lean in with vulnerability. Because when we're able to lean in with vulnerability, and, and I would actually interchange the word vulnerability, particularly right now with honesty, um, mm. that it isn't about like, let me bear everything about myself. I think, right, sometimes when we think vulnerability, it can be like this total exposure. But in this particular era of time, I'm just talking about, can we, can we be honest about the way that we are experiencing this, the loneliness that we're experiencing, how the pain is impacting us, what our home environments are like, whether or not we have people around us to support us. When we are able to lean in honestly with safe people, it opens up the, uh, our ability to actually be sad. Uh, that, that I, I really believe that the, the healthiest, appropriate, actually our human, our natural response to pain and loss is to be sad. But to be sad requires me having someone who's safe enough to be sad with. Mm. So when we're lonely, we're experiencing pain. That's inherently a sad thing. We are grieving. We are mourning. We are experiencing loss. There's an incredible amount of pain that when we are able to be honest with someone who's safe, we're able to be sad, to express sadness. And what we find, right, so we have these two responses, I have pain, loneliness. I can respond by protecting myself, which will lead to anger, fear, panic, shutdown, which on an internal experience actually just keeps me spinning. Right? When we think about being angry, I'm churning inside. When we think about fear and anxiety, I'm churning as I'm spinning. I'm moving faster. I'm, I'm, there's an, whether external or internal, there's a freak out that occurs. When we are able to actually lean into the sadness of our pain, it actually allows us to slow down. We can sit with people and be devastated together about dreams that we've lost. We can be sad together, but it allows us actually to breathe. And it sets our feet back on the ground. That right now, more than any other time that I have remembered, I think that we as an American people would really benefit from having safe spaces to lean into the sadness that we are experiencing, that actually will get our feet on the ground so that we can then make choices about how are we going to navigate this. It's really hard to make thriving choices when we're spinning because we're trying to protect ourselves. I don't know if any of this makes sense. Totally. No, keep going. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. 
Yeah, no, thank you for that. And I think um, I was just reminded as you were talking, um, even in the Bible, 60% of the Psalms are about lament or about sadness. And so often we don't allow ourselves to just lament, to be sad, to sit in that sadness. Um, And I think that what I'm hearing from you is that when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to be honest and sit with people and open up, then we can truly allow ourselves to be sadness, but it's only in that moment that healing can start to take place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, think we both have like six month old daughters, right? Yep. Um, when our daughters are hyperventilating and freaking out, <laughs> there is no good choice that is made in that moment. Yeah. Right. Like she can't receive love. She can't like we can't actually be connected because in those moments when our daughters are freaking out, that our first step with our daughters is actually to be present. Right. We say things like, man, it is so hard to fall asleep on your own. Like, wow, like it is really hard to be a baby. That must have hurt so much. (laughs) We care about and what we're actually doing is verbalizing the sadness and the pain which actually we watch it actually calm down our children. Mm-hmm. They stop spinning and they actually come down. And now we can assess, are they hungry? Is it their diaper? Right? What's the need that they have? What's the choice that they need? Do we go back around trying to teach my daughter to sleep on her own? And there are moments where we have to soothe her down and then we reassess, do we try again or do we do something different this time? Mm-hmm. But we can't assess when we're in the midst of spinning and panic. Yep. And I think when we think society-wise, this is where my greatest concern lies when we think about the impact of isolation is if we go into isolation and we shift into that self-preservation survival mode, we're going to have a lot of people who are spinning and panicking. We won't be able to make thoughtful choices about society and engagement, nor about relationships in our own lives. And we actually will lose ourselves. If we, um, and the solution is to find some people or meet some people who need safe spaces to be like, I mean, if, if we got, we got college students who their lives are on hold, we got high school students whose lives are on hold, um, find some other people whose lives are on hold and kind of express frustration with each other about it. Like that's the reality of life that allows us to go like this is a big deal. What we're experiencing is not, we're not making this up. The unknown is overwhelming. Um, and mm-hmm. the appropriate response is actually to be kind of sad about it. Yeah, that's so good. Well, that kind of leads me into my next question. Uh, a, a big thing that I've been struggling with, but also countless other people I've been talking to is just feeling this overwhelming sense of confusion right now. And even thinking of the roots of confusion of just not being fused or not being connected um, and just so many different thoughts and so many different anxieties and so many fears and all this just circling around, you know, my head, our heads. How do we sit with confusion in a healthy way right now? Well, even, even as you said, that, I love that, right, that it's not fused. I, I think it's a beautiful framework. It's not fused. We're, dis- un- we're disconnected from others we're actually disconnected from ourselves. Yeah. Right. When we think about the experience, right? The experience of, I don't know. And the experience of I'm confused. 
actually are quite different experiences, right? In a moment where we sit and go, huh, I'm not sure. We take a breath. We think about it. The moment of going, I'm confused is like this, uh, what do I touch? What do I, I don't even know how to think about it. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to grab a hold of. And there's, there's an element of spinning that occurs in confusion that is different than maybe uncertainty or not knowing. Yeah. And so I, good. I, I, think, I think you're right. As a society, many of us find ourselves at times, often, maybe constantly, in a place where actually we're experiencing confusion. And in moments of confusion, the temptation is to try harder to figure it all out. We read more research, we follow the news more, we're gathering data, we're trying to make sense of everything that, that typically our response to confusion is more effort to control confusion. And this is where like the <laughs> definition of anxiety is trying to control something you actually don't have control over. Hmm. Um, we all experience stress, right? And this is where not knowing is stressful, right? confusion is anxiety provoking and so when we're sitting in a world where there is so much we don't know right what's the duration what's going to be the impact how does this affect our future how long am i going to be trapped in a home with people that may not be safe what are my options can i get out right i mean i i have, i work with populations that are marginalized abused hurt people and i have significant concerns of all for all of the kids who have been sent home from school to abusive parents mm. that when you're at school you got people that can you can reach out to that can rescue you pull you out we got a bunch of unhealthy isolated families where i there are kids that are being abused and no one knows and they don't know who to talk to um, so so there's a lot of things that are anxiety provoking that there's so much that's unknown and for us one of the things that's important i think in this shifting of of grounding ourselves is to actually step back and go i don't know we don't know hunting for more information is not going to decrease the confusion i actually need to take a moment and breathe Right. Their um, Headspace is a wonderful app. They've made a ton of meditations and mindfulness activities available to the public. Uh, there's a, a, a lot of resources that are becoming more and more are being made free of how do we catch our breath. Right. Then in some way, I mean, think about I'm um, getting gut punched and having the wind taken out of Right, that there's, if we're trying to like fix something when we can't breathe, that creates more mess. When we sit in the unknown, taking time to breathe, taking time to be sad about it, um, that one one of the things that many people don't realize is is emotionally, we experience future loss just the same way that we experience present loss. Mm. So there are many people who are in the place where they don't know if their dreams are lost. 
right? There is an unknown about, is my whole life different now? Yeah. Will it ever come back to normal? And I don't know. And that, on the one hand, it feels way out there. And so we've got people who go like, hey, let's just stick to the moment. Let the future take care of itself. But I'm telling you, emotionally, there are many who are experiencing the future loss. They're actually already experiencing it. Wow. They're already feeling the loss, whether it's happened or not. Because what, whether, whether the future becomes more like the past or not, we have lost the guarantee of it. We've lost the certainty of it that there is now a question mark over everything which means we have lost something mm -hmm. that needs to be grieved. Um, that needs to be allowed to exist that and, and I want to, I want to hold something with that because I think there are people who could hear me say that and say, are you just telling everyone just to spiral into depression, just kind of wallow in the loss? And, and I'm not, I'm not saying that. That's good. Yeah. Um, that, that and this is not uh, this is why I don't think we need to be doing this alone, right? This is about finding people that we can journey together through this who are experiencing what we're experiencing. Because when we give ourselves permission to acknowledge, I am actually grieving the loss of the future that I had imagined. Yeah. And when we can share that with others, it allows our feet to come back on the ground. There will be a period of time where we grieve, and there will be a period of time where we mourn. It also opens up the door to say, okay, what are we going to do now? Right? How do we navigate forward? If we do not give ourselves permission to grieve, to grieve our loss of security, to grieve the guarantees of the future, to be sad and to mourn together, if we don't give ourselves that permission, we, we would drift into continued anxiety and panic and fear which actually will prevent us from getting to the place where we're able to say what's next. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Thank you for helping us get more grounded in this. Cause again, just the confusion, the isolation can just get you in a place where, you know, disorientation, not knowing where I'm at. And uh, thank you for helping us come down, take yeah. a deep breath so that we can start making the right decisions. Um, and I'm, and I'm not good. saying stop watching the news. I'm not saying don't be informed. Many of us actually having information helps ground us. So mm -hmm. there's a usefulness to that. I would recommend that following, if, if you, get, you find yourself pulled into reading articles and pulled into following the news and you can feel that confusion rising, actually develop a practice of when you finish the article, of setting it down and breathing and just listening to your breathing, put on a mindfulness meditation just to allow ourselves to be grounded so that we can learn to hold the information we have without being sucked into the spinning and the uncontrollable outcomes that we have no idea about mm -hmm. that allows us to be sad and be concerned with the unknown while also being able to be present, which opens up opportunities that anxiety and fear will just close the door to. Good, yeah, I like that clarification. Um, just to circle back, because I think this is important. Um, like you said, there are students, uh, minors right now that, are, that feel trapped, that are at home, that don't know what to do. Um, my, my hope and prayer is that's not a lot of people, but statistically we know that that's real right now, that probably somebody that's watching this or listening to this podcast is struggling. Um, 
how can they get help, uh, Brian James? What are some resources for them right now if they're in a, in a dangerous situation? So, well, first of all, if, if, you, if you're in a life-threatening situation, just pick up the phone and call 911. Yep. Um, that is, if you are being abused, if you are worried about the safety of your own life, if you are deeply suicidal, if someone in your home is suicidal, if there is violence that is occurring, pick up the phone and call 911. That's always the first step. Good. Yeah. Gary, um, but life matters and taking steps to keep ourselves safe really, really matters. If it's not life threatening, but is very deeply unsettling and causing disruption and panic in your life, there are a number of resources that I, um, one of the things that I'm, I'm really proud of the mental health community right now is the number of therapists that have made themselves available through video format. Um, yeah. That we wanted to make sure that just because people can't show up at our offices doesn't mean they can't get care. That there are a lot of people who need a mental health professional to sit with, to talk with, to navigate through things. So they are around. So if you if you know if you had a therapist, reach out to that therapist and stay connected through this time. Um, if you don't have a therapist, you can do some Google searches for therapists in your area. There's a wonder. There's a lot of great therapists that are out there. If you don't know where to start. I would be happy to help you. Um, you can go, you can visit my website and contact me right through there. Um, www.recenterkc.org. Recenter, like what we're talking about, how do we recenter ourselves and get our feet back on the ground? So www.recenterkc.org. Um, I would love to help point you in the right direction and get it, get people set up in that. That So there's that, that personal resource. Um, Headspace, Calm are two wonderful apps. Um, on your phone that have really helpful meditations just to ground us to get our feet back on the ground um, that if you don't have those on your phone um, both of them have portions that are free and then portions that are paid but the free portions are useful um, and and for those that that may be a little nervous around the language around meditation um, I, I have found that both calm and um, headspace are, I would out identify them kind of as a religious that they, it's not, there's not a religious agenda. What, what they're helping us do is pay attention to what's happening inside of our minds mm -hmm. to be attentive to it, to allow us to make choices with it. That that is when we talk about mindfulness in particular, we're just learning how do we be attentive to what's going on so that we can slow the spin so that we can breathe so that we can make choices um, from that place. And so that, that's where I would start. Um, yeah. Thank you. That's great. Yeah, I know. I'm glad that you said that. And also as youth pastors are watching this as well, just a reminder that we need to keep reaching out to our, our students, kids, pastors, reaching out to your students, young adults, reach out to your students, make sure they're okay. Um, and then also if you're a licensed minister, you are a mandated reporter. So please do your job yes. and your duty to make sure people are safe. Um, so just a reminder there. Um, going into our, our last question. Oh, and I will make, um, your website available through the podcast and blog. And I'll also put links to headspace and calm the app. Excellent. So tie, you know, tie that up with a bow there, but last question, um, for today, um, Brian James, all of us are reimagining what life looks like. Yeah. Um, and we're trying to find that. And I want to use the language, trying to find what thriving now looks like. And so my last question for you, and it's a big question, and we probably can't get to all of it today. Um, I know you're not God and can't give us all the answers, but you're doing a great job so far. 
Um, but how do we allow ourselves to reimagine what our future is and, and what this thriving is for us right now? Well, I think the, the key word in, in that whole thing that you just said was allow, right? That there is no way any of us can make any guaranteed determinations about the future at all, right? Anyone who says that they know how this is going to play out, I, I do not give that any credence. Um, that there's so much unknown, duration, intensity, ramifications, trickle-down effect. We just don't know. There's so much that we don't know. So that, that word allow, how do we allow ourselves to reimagine the future? Is, is that actually giving ourselves permission is, is actually really pivotal. When we are spinning, when we're in our fear and anxiety and our panic, it almost feels contradictory to be thinking about a future, mm -hmm. which is why the first step is to shift. Okay, I am spinning like crazy, which if, if you are out there and you're listening, you go like, I am spinning. I am pissed off. I am anxious all the time. I'm like going nuts inside. What that, all that means is you are experiencing pain and you're trying to protect yourself from it, which absolutely makes sense. Right? That, that's a, a really normal thing to do. No one's criticizing anyone for doing that. Right? What we want to encourage is as you find yourself spinning and protecting yourself, to recognize it, to go, hey, I'm in pain. I'm trying to protect myself, which means that I'm just trying to survive. How do I shift? Who can I reach out to that we can share in the grieving, that we can sit in the unknown together, that allows us to ground ourselves from this place, we can actually give ourselves permission to say, okay, I'm not going to think about the future just as an escape from the pain of the present, right? I'm not going to create a fantasy world where everything is better. That's what we might do over here is we just start to daydream about when this is all gone. And that, that is really helpful. There are moments that I just need to sit back and go like, what if the universe was different? And right, what yeah. if like, <laughs> back tomorrow, yeah. right? Like, helpful like there's nothing wrong with daydreaming and drifting off but what we're talking about is how do we breathe get together with someone get our feet on the ground and say okay what now there's so much that we don't know and then actually the reimagining of the future for all of us is going to be highly experimental right every day things are changing yeah. The information that we have this week will be different than the information we have a week now, which means even if I start to reimagine the future today, what I'm reimagining may be thrown out the window in a week. Right? So there are some people that will go like, fine, like, screw it. Like, why am I going to reimagine it all if it's going to change? It isn't about coming up with the specifics of what we are reimagining. It is about inviting ourselves to engage the process of beginning to think differently about things. Yeah. But actually, our future, there's a great variety of options for our future. There are a number of ways that this could play out. Like I, I'm talking with pastors a lot right now about how we reimagine the future of the church. Yeah. Right? And there's an element where we panic and we freak out about like everything that we've known we no longer get to do and what happens if we can't get people together when we can slow down our panic sit and go, okay, this is scary. And we shift. This is scary. We've invested a ton of time and resources 
in relationship into creating healthy rhythms that are helping people grow. And now all this just got blown up. We need to grieve that loss. We need to be sad about it. There are some incredible churches doing incredible things that literally the e-break just got pulled on these churches. Yeah. Everything that they've been known what to do, they can't do. That deserves to be mourned. Right? That deserves to be grieved. And then we can sit in that place and say, okay, this is sad. This is a loss. What yet might be possible in the future? And we just begin to explore options. So you hear these words, allow, give permission, explore, experiment. By giving ourselves permission to not have to control the future, right? That's over on this side of the spinning. We don't control the future. Yeah. We, we can be mad and we can be sad about not controlling the future. That sucks. I hate that the future is not determinable right now. Like, I wish I could. Um, we can begin to give ourselves permission to explore, to imagine, to think creatively, um, to think in different directions, and to give ourselves permission again not to get caught up in them, uh, but to allow them to open our minds to what options are. Right? I tell people all the time, dreaming is important, but we must remember that we are the dreamer, we're not the dream. Hmm. So when the dreams shift and change, when the, the dreams that we've imagined no longer become possible, if I have believed that I am the dream, I'm ruined. If I have built the process in me of being the dreamer, then I know, man, life throws weird things at us, but we are capable of dreaming new dreams. That's so good. We are yeah. Capable of exploring new options. We as a as a human race, we as a Christian people have a long history of coming through really dark moments with really creative, beautiful expressions of growth. Yeah that this is our history, this is who we are, this is part of our identity as people, that we actually have a God who came into darkness and into brokenness and brought life out of it, right? We don't operate outside of it. And what allows us to participate in that is when we can shift from just protecting ourselves, spinning out of control in the fear and anxiety, and opening up into connection and vulnerability and honesty with others where we do more. We do grieve. Jesus is an incredible model of grief. The number of times that he was sad over situations that he would not or could not fix or wasn't allowed to fix or however you want to read that, there were moments that he did not engage with, that he instead grieved with. So we've got a lot of space as a people to grieve, which contrary to popular opinion, engaging in sadness actually opens the door to dreaming. That's so good. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brian James, for unpacking that for us. Um, I want to end our podcast and vlog today uh, looking at scripture and we can kind of just talk through this together. Um, and then again, we'll put all these amazing resources up. Um, the scripture is in first Peter five, eight and listen to how perfect this is for this conversation. Um, and you didn't know that I was going to put this out there before. So this is really cool. Oh, first, first Peter five, eight, it says this, be alert, become aware. And, and of sober mind. So be alert and of sober mind. So all the confusion, yes. let's come down to our feet and know this. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
And as we've been talking about isolation, um, I think we all know, we've probably seen Discovery Channel that it's the animal that's by themselves that the lions go after. And so in this moment, I love that Peter is saying, hey, be alert. Start becoming aware. Look around you. Don't let the confusion and all of the isolation and all of the fear and anxiety control you anymore. Get a sober mind. And so I think that that is um, our, needs to be our focus in this time is to allow God to bring us down to, like you said, get, up, get on the ground and sit in some of our sadness, but also start to dream again. What can God do in this time? What can God do through me? And so do you have anything else that you want to say on that scripture? I just think it's a great reminder yeah. for us right now. I think I, I love it. And I love the, like, the sober-minded alert. Alert is not panicking, but alert is also informed and attentive, right? Sober mind isn't shut down. Uh, right? I think that we have the temptation of just kind of putting our heads in the sand and letting this blow over. Um, and what, what I appreciate about that passage is the way it gives permission for our experiences to be our experiences. Yeah. Nowhere in this it's saying stop feeling what you're feeling. Um, that's not realistic. That's not rational. Right? We, there are so many things that people are experiencing right now that would not be identified as rational. Right, that are blown up experiences or the level of panic. We go like, these people are crazy. Um, what we're experiencing is valid. What we're experiencing, whether it's the fear, whether it's the loss, like all of we are in a time that none of us have been in before. And to be having a wide range of crazy internal experiences kind of makes sense. And so this invitation to go take that, Hold that. Be alert to what your experience is. Don't diminish it. Don't dismiss it. Be attentive to it. Because in being attentive to it and in leaning into connection, it allows us to be sober-minded, not in opposition to what we are experiencing, but actually grounded in the midst of it, which is, I mean, in many ways, like an incarnational perspective, which yeah. I, I love it. Thank you for bringing that passage. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And so I just want to encourage you all today listening to this podcast, don't do this alone. Please, please reach out to, like uh, Brian James said, if it's a friend or a family member or your youth pastor, kids pastor, young adults pastor, or senior pastor, whoever it is, don't do this alone. Let's do this together. And uh, thank God that we are not isolated in Jesus, that he sent his spirit to comfort us, be with us wherever we're at today. Brian James, thank you so much for being on this podcast and blog. Man, I just want to keep talking with you. We could keep going. We'll probably have to do another podcast. If there's any more of these conversations that will be useful, I am so happy to jump in. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. And everybody have a beautiful day and know that God is with you. Be alert and sober-minded. Don't be isolated. God's with you. 